Hi listeners, stories have so much power and so does whoever controls the narrative. It is time that we dissect and analyze these stories. I am Vipul and this is Vogue Tales. This week's episode is a follow-up from last week's episode where we dissected and analyzed story of the Dutch writer Hans Christian Andersen and his fondness for his friend Edward Collins. So if you haven't heard that episode, please give it a listen. And although this is a follow-up episode, it is also a standalone episode. And today's story is The Little Mermaid. I will be narrating the original story by Hans Christian Andersen published in 1836 and there are other versions y'all might be familiar with like the Disney's Little Mermaid and we will bring that up in the dissection and analysis after the story. Also please welcome Dylan Blumenthal. He was also our guest last week and will continue to dissect and analyze today's story while sprinkling in some themes from last week's episode. Welcome back Dylan. Are you ready to dive in? <laughs> the story? Wow. <laughs> That was cheesy, Bibble. <laughs> okay, so guess was... it's story time. The Little Mermaid lives in underwater kingdom with her widowed father, Mer King, her grandmother, and her five older sisters, each of whom have been born one year apart. When a mermaid turns 15, she is permitted to swim to the surface for the first time to catch a glimpse of the world above. As each of the sisters returns, the little mermaid listens longingly to their various description of the world inhabited by human beings. When it is the turn of little mermaid, she rises up to the surface, watches a birthday celebration being held on a ship in honor of a handsome prince, and falls in love with him from a safe distance. A violent storm hits, sinking the ship, and the little mermaid saves the prince from drowning. She delivers him unconscious to the shore near a temple. Here she waits until a young woman finds him. To her dismay, the prince never sees the little mermaid or even realizes that it was she who had originally saved his life. The little mermaid becomes sad and asks her grandmother if humans can live forever. The grandmother explains that humans have much shorter lifespan than a mermaid's 300 years, but that when mermaid die, they turn to sea foam and cease to exist, while humans have an eternal soul that lives on in heaven. The little mermaid, longing for the prince and an eternal soul, visits the sea witch who lives in a dangerous part of the ocean. The witch willingly helps her by giving her a potion that gives her legs in exchange of her tongue and beautiful voice. The witch warns the little mermaid that once she becomes a human, she'll never be able to return to the sea. Consuming the potion will make her feel as if a sword is being passed through her body. Yet when she recovers she will have two human legs and will be able to dance like no human had ever danced before. However, she will constantly feel as if she is walking on sharp knives. In addition, she will obtain a soul only if she wins the love of the prince and marries him. For then a part of his soul will flow into her. Otherwise, at dawn on the first day after he marries someone else, The little mermaid will die with a broken heart and dissolve into sea foam upon the waves. 
After she agrees to the arrangement, the little mermaid swims up to the surface near the prince castle and drinks the potion. The liquid fell like a sword piercing through her body and she passes out on the shore naked. She is found by the prince who is mesmerized by her beauty and grace, even though she is mute. And most of all, he likes to see her dance and she dances for him despite suffering from excruciating pain with every step. Soon the little mermaid becomes Prince's favorite companion and accompanies him to many of his outings, but he does not fall in love with her. When his parents encouraged him to marry the neighboring princess in an arranged marriage, the prince tells the little mermaid he will not because he does not love the princess. He goes on to say he can only love the young woman from the temple who he believes rescued him. It turns out the princess from the neighboring kingdom was the temple woman as she was sent to the temple for her education. The prince declares his love for her and the royal wedding is announced at once. The prince and the princess celebrate their new marriage on a wedding ship and the little mermaid's heart breaks. She thinks of all she has sacrificed and of all the pain she had endured for the prince. She despairs, thinking of the death that awaits her. But before dawn, her sisters rise out of the water and bring her a dagger that the sea witch had given them in exchange of their long, beautiful hair. If the little mermaid kills the prince and lets his blood drip on her feet, she will become a mermaid once more. All her suffering will end and she will live out her full life in the ocean with her family. However, the little mermaid cannot bring herself to kill the sleeping prince while with his new wife. She throws the dagger and herself off the ship into the water just as the dawn breaks. Her body dissolves into foam and instead of ceasing to exist, she feels the warm sun and discovers that she had turned into a luminous and ethereal earthbound spirit, a daughter of the air. As the little mermaid ascends into the atmosphere, she is greeted by other daughters who tell her she has become like them because she strove with all her heart to obtain an immortal soul. Because of her selflessness, she is given a chance to earn her own soul by doing good deeds for mankind for 300 years and will one day rise up into heaven. The little mermaid lifted her glorified eyes towards the sun and felt them for the first time filling with tears. On the ship in which she had left the prince, there was life and noise, and she saw him and his beautiful wife searching for her. Sorrowfully, they gazed at the pearly foam, as if they knew she had thrown herself into the waves. Unseen, she kissed the forehead of the bride and fanned the prince, and then mounted with the other children of the air on a rosy cloud that floated through. After 300 years, we will float into the kingdom of heaven, one of the daughters of air said, and we may even get there sooner, whispered one of her companions. Unseen, we can enter the houses of men where there are children, and for every day on which we find a good child, who is the joy of his parents and deserves their love, our time of probation is shortened. The child does not know when we fly through the room and we smile with joy at his good conduct, for we can count one less year of our 300 years. But when we see a naughty or a wicked kid, we shed a tear of sorrow, and for every tear, a day is added to our time of trial. So Dylan, now that the story is over, as you know that this was the original version of The Little Mermaid, and it is a little bit different, I would say like a lot different actually from the Disney version. Do you know the Disney version? Do you remember it? Or you want me to give a quick summary? Yeah, I think a quick summary would be helpful. Okay, so The Little Mermaid is Ariel. Her father, King Triton, has forbidden contact between people and humans. But Ariel is all about humans. She is intrigued and travels to the ocean surface and witnesses a birthday celebration of a prince, Prince Eric. 
A sudden storm hits and Ariel saves the drowning Eric, brings him to the beach and sings him a song. Upon waking, Eric has a vague impression that he was saved by a girl with a beautiful voice. Ariel is lovesick and strikes a deal with the sea witch, Ursula, to transform her into human for three days. Ariel must receive a kiss of true love from Prince Eric. Otherwise, she would transform back into a mermaid and on third day belong to Ursula. As payment for legs, Ariel has to give up her voice, which Ursula stores in a shell. Eric grows fond of human Ariel and this angers Ursula, who disguises as a young woman and starts singing in Ariel's voice. Eric recognizes the voice and plans to marry disguised Ursula on a ship. With the help of various animals, the shell around Ursula's neck, which had Ariel's voice, breaks, restoring Ariel's voice. Realizing Ariel is the girl who saved his life, Prince Eric rushes to kiss her, but Ursula kidnaps Ariel. There is a fight between Ursula and Eric, and he defeats and kills her. Ursula dies, and King Triton, seeing that Eric saved Ariel, realizes their love and changes her into a human, and the two finally kiss. Alright, okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, so so, so you can see there are to a certain extent similarities between the two versions, but Disney took creative liberties and made changes not just with making the ending happier with Ariel and Eric getting together, but also changed the narrative. So while we discuss the story, we can also compare these two versions. All right. Okay. Good. <laughs> and you were present last week for Hans Christian Andersen's life story and seems like now we have three versions. We have the writer's life story, which inspired him to write the original Little Mermaid, which inspired Disney's version. So we can probably dissect and analyze all these in a layered fashion. Damn, this is an exciting episode. <laughs> <laughs> right? All right. I think we can do it. Okay, so what are your initial thoughts? <laughs> well, um, I think when I first started listening to the story that Hans Christian Andersen wrote, I definitely saw the similarities between that story and the story between him and Edward mm -hmm. from last week. Right. So, yeah, he really wasn't hiding the ball with that one. Mm -hmm. I mean, in that case, I see Anderson as the Little Mermaid and Edward as Prince Eric. And then the fact that they, don't, they never realize what one means to the other, even after it's too late. It's kind of a tragic romance. And so I think in those respects, the real-life version and then Hans Christian Andersen version are very similar. Mm -hmm. In real life, Edward is very fond of Anderson, but not as a romantic partner. Right. And so is Prince in the story, uh, Little Mermaid, that he's fond of the Little Mermaid, but not necessarily in a romantic form. Right. Well, and that's interesting because I think what Hans Christian Andersen is suggesting in his story is that Edward has feelings for him, but is just unable to realize them. Because in the story, the prince, he's mistaken as to who his true love is. The right. prince just loves the person that saved him. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that it's this princess, but it was actually the Little Mermaid. So... I think that message that Hans Christian Andersen is trying to send is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. Also, another parallel we can draw is that Ariel has to give up her voice. And to me, it feels like Andersen and Edward not having the voice to express and embrace their feelings. And also queer people in general at that time, and to a certain extent even today. 
Yeah, I saw that parallel whenever I saw the fact that the Little Mermaid is never really able to tell or able to get the message across to the prince that it was me that saved you. Mm -hmm. I'm the one you love. Right. And that character development device of taking the voice away from the Little Mermaid, Hans Christian Andersen definitely used his voice, but it was as though he weren't speaking in his eyes because Edward never really acknowledged what he was saying. Right. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's very aptly put, the parallels between the story and the real life. So between the Disney version and between the original story, which one do you like better? Well, as you know, I am studying for the bar exam this summer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one of the major topics that's tested on the bar exam is contracts, contract Mm -hmm. law. Yeah. And so it's just instinctual for me at this point when I'm reading anything to like kind of look for legally significant facts. And um, Hans Christian Andersen's story is just full of contract terms. And so is the Disney version. But the Disney version is just so, I mean, there's breach of contract everywhere. Right. There's, you know, there's the agreement to exchange the voice for legs. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. That's a contract. But in the Disney version, it's not, or it is, but it's a contract that is breached by Ursula because Ursula is fraudulently acting around it. Mm-hmm. by trying to influence the outcome of the interaction between Ariel and Prince Eric. Right. Which doesn't happen in the original Hans Christian Andersen story. You know, so apart from the things that pop out at me because, you know, all I've been doing for the past couple of weeks and will continue to do for the next month and a half is study for the bar exam, I think apart from all of that, I thought it was interesting that Ursula is vilified in the Disney version the sea witch in Hans Christian Andersen's version isn't as vilified. I mean, she doesn't really come across as like maybe someone you want to mess with mm-hmm. because of like the power she has. Right. And like, so you wouldn't want to cross her. But in the Disney version, they just go a step beyond that and say, you know, not just that, but she's wicked and she's evil. Right. I personally like the original version. And even though it might have some issues with it, but between Disney and that, I definitely prefer the original version. And I don't know if you remember the Little Mermaid TV show. It was a cartoon show with weekly episodes and my sister and I would love watching it. It was about Ariel's adventure as a mermaid living under the sea with her father and friends Flounder and Sebastian. It was more about Ariel exploring the ocean and going on adventures, getting into trouble with Ursula and other sea creatures, but then getting out of it. We used to really enjoy it, but Disney movie is more about the romantic love. And I agree with your point about Ursula in the original version being more upfront with the contract, with all terms and conditions clearly laid out, be it it will be painful to walk or taking Ariel's voice, and Ariel knowingly accepted that, and there was no hidden clause. I thought the sea witch was this powerful badass character who lived in this dangerous part of the ocean by herself and no one messed with her. But Disney disappointingly pits women against each other and makes it about a competition over a prince. Ursula couldn't see Ariel and Eric together and the bottom line becomes who's gonna get the man and that is your value as a woman to score the rich prince as your husband. Another thing which I didn't like was that in the original version, there were no physical attributions associated with the sea witch. And even though I love Ursula in the movie as this boisterous character, 
Disney always make the negative characters as either plus size or they will have a scar on their face or their skin is darker. So anything out of the Western beauty standard is picturized as the villain of the story. Yeah, Vibble, I think you make a really great point that they're both love stories, but in the Disney version, they kind of make it a competition between the women fighting over a man and good versus evil, innocent versus conniving. And what I thought was like really problematic whenever you reminded me of the movie again is like kids watch this movie. I watched this movie a ton when I was a kid. And so... I think this goes with a lot of Disney movies as well. They kind of boil down to woman is helpless and she needs to be saved by her man and do whatever it takes. And that is definitely illustrated here because in the original version, The Little Mermaid takes control of her destiny. She has the opportunity to modify the terms of her contract and stab the prince through the heart, but she decides not to. And she's the one who ultimately like changes the outcome of her destiny. But in the Disney version, Disney gives the power to Prince Eric, King Triton, the men. And they're the ones who ultimately control the fate of Ariel. They're the ones that defeat Ursula and then give Ariel her permanent legs. Mm -hmm. And so just thinking about the message that it sends to kids, it's really concerning because it puts the notion in kids' heads that you need to fight others for love for a man. And in the end, you need to rely on your man to take care of everything for you. Right. And looking from a feminist perspective, the original version has strong female characters. There's definitely Ariel the sea witch, grandmother, and then there is sisterhood shown with all the sisters striking a deal to bring back the Little Mermaid. And Disney turns that narrative and gives the power to men with climax of the movie as Prince Eric fighting to rescue Ariel and saves the day, and King Triton giving her the human form. So even though motivated by love for a man, the original story is a feminist tale about a little girl going after what she wants and taking her own decisions. And keeping it real, I guess when you're 15 and you have a crush on someone and you get an opportunity to hang out with them, but you can't say anything, I think you might do it. Right. You know, you can sit on the lunch table with them or something, but just don't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So would you have killed the prince and gone back to being a mermaid? Um, probably not. You know, I mean, well, I I think anyone who is in the Little Mermaid situation, you know, I guess if it's true love, they would want that person to be happy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I I won't say probably not, but I'll I'll say I would hope not. <laughs> what about you? I would steal your answer and say I would hope not, and I would also hope that I wouldn't be in a position where I have to sacrifice so much to be with someone I love. But there are situations in real life where people sacrifice a lot to be with someone they love. A good example can be people immigrating to a different country, leaving behind their family, their whole life, to be with someone. And not just that, but people leaving their countries to find a better life, or to even just survive, can be extrapolated to Ariel's story, where she leaves everything she knows, her whole world, for a different life. Yeah, I agree. 
I agree. And, you know, sticking with, like, the theme of Anderson and Edward, I think that it can also be compared to when people leave their family because they have to because of who they love. Mm -hmm. And maybe their family doesn't accept the fact that they love who they love, and so they have to leave for those reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think that ties in pretty closely with the inspiration behind the story, too. Anderson was clearly trying to put it all on the line for Edward, but that wasn't reciprocated. Yeah, that's true. It was kind of tragic. Um, so finishing this up, my last observation was how the story ended. Little Mermaid became a fairy, and since the story is for kids, there is some indoctrination that being good would help the fairy go to heaven, but being naughty will be bad for her. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of thought of it as like a guilt trip. Like (laughs) you tell your kids this story about a little mermaid and they really like her. And then whenever at the end of the story, they find out that (laughs) she's going to go to heaven and get a soul. If you be a good kid, it's kind of like guilting them into um, (laughs) into behaving. Right. (laughs) So I, I definitely thought that was interesting. And what do you think? Do you think that this original story or the Disney version which one is better for kids? I personally think the original version is better for kids because it doesn't have the extra drama like the Disney version has apart from all the other problematic themes. So yes, I would definitely prefer the original version and also the TV cartoon show which was more about exploring, going on adventures, being curious and getting out of trouble. And the ending is interesting and I personally wouldn't have included it and finished with Ariel becoming a fairy And that's it. But since it is there, I guess it's fine because it can be worse ending than suggesting kids to behave. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely see your point and I agree. I've never seen the cartoon. I didn't even know there was a TV cartoon. But yeah, I definitely think the original story, even though it's not as happy of an ending in terms of like romance, I think the overall message is definitely, you know, something better for, for kids to hear. Right. On that note, I think it was a great discussion on the three versions. And thank you for coming on the show and diving in into (laughs) (laughs) dissection and analysis of the story (laughs) yeah no it was it was a lot of fun yeah thanks for having me (laughs) so are you on any social media where our listeners can find you um sure i i guess i'm not really big on social media but you know i do have an instagram so Mm -hmm. uh, people can follow me if they want to but they don't have to (laughs) So my handle is uh, D-M-B-L-U-M. So, yeah. Okay. Talking about Instagram, please check out our post for this episode on Vogue Tales Podcast to see Dylan reprise the famous Little Mermaid, a.k.a. Ariel's pose, coming out of the ocean. I also want to take this opportunity to wish you all the best for your bar exam, and hopefully everyone listening can send their best wishes and positive vibes for your exam. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So on that note, I'll bring a new story next week. And bye for now. Bye. Bye. Let me know your thoughts on the story and our discussion by emailing me on woketalespodcast at gmail.com or through social media at woketalespodcast on Instagram and woketalespod on Twitter. And please rate, review, and like Woketales Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you can easily access our weekly stories.
If you have any story recommendations or if you want to come dissect and analyze a story with me, give me a shout out on email or social media because whatever you do, keep dissecting and keep analyzing.